0: The opinions expressed by the guests and contributors of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Cornell University or its employees. Welcome to the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. On today's show, we'll be revisiting one of our favorite episodes from Season 3. We'll share why we chose this episode and what has changed since we recorded the original episode. My name is Toro Patel.
1: My name is Anthony Sis.
0: And you're listening to the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. All right. Hi, Anthony. How are you doing today?
1: I am, you know, I could be a little bit better. You know, I still have this little congestion that's lingering in my voice. You may be able to hear it. So could be a little better, but... We are here, and I can't be more excited to talk about this episode. How about you?
0: I am very, very excited to talk about this episode as well. Um, Generally, I'm doing well, and uh, we are here to revisit one of our favorite episodes from season three. And so this episode is called Weighing In on Body Size, and it's part one. Our conversation was so great that we actually had this. This was one of the episodes where we had two parts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm going to start by talking about the first part and with our guest Mia Farina. And so I'll tell you the reason why this was one of my favorite episodes is because I think the topic that we discuss in terms of body size, it impacts me at a very, very personal level. I think I've shared that, yes, I'm a a female, a minority female, but for some reason, my race identity or my gender identity are not the two most forefront in my lived experience every day, the two identities that impact me the most are the two identities that we talked about in this episode, which is my weight and my height. And so I think it was one of my favorites because it's probably the most vulnerable I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not that that's the reason why it's, fav- it's my favorite, <laughs> but it's it's like I said, it's two topics that just really impact me. It's two things that I think about every single day. And I think if if we listen to the episode, It took me quite a long time to even, even within the discussion to get comfortable sharing about my weight and my height. It took, I think in the episodes, that's an edited version of the episode. It took me about 13 minutes. And so even then, as I was going through the episode, like it takes a while for me to talk about these two identities. And so it's probably why it's one of my, it's the one that I wanted to revisit the most.
1: Yeah, I agree. I remember even editing that episode too and thinking like, Wow, like Toro shared a lot about herself. You know, it's one of those things when you're recording it in the studio that you don't really think too much about, or if you're recording it remote in this case, you don't really think too much about it, right? So you're just talking and you're just talking. But then when I went to revisit it, I was like, wow, Toro did actually share a lot about herself. And, you know, I think I even messaged you at one point while I was editing it to say, Tora, I don't think you realize like how much you shared and are you okay with this? Like, are you comfortable with this being put in the final episode? And you said, yeah. And so I thought that was amazing. And it's definitely a topic that for me too, you know, I shared a little bit about my personal experience of this topic as well, but body size is still kind of taboo to talk about in a workplace context. And I think this episode really helped, I think, merge the importance of talking about body size when we talk about accessibility. And access to physical spaces and physical resources with the DE&I lens. So that's why I really appreciate this and just the tone that and the standard, really the bar that Mia set in terms of her own vulnerability too with this topic as well. So shout out to Mia. You know, we're sending you lots of love as well.
0: Yeah, thank you, Mia, for your vulnerability and for your willingness to talk about this. Because had you actually not volunteered, I don't think I would have ever shared the amount that I did. So I definitely want to thank you as well. Yeah. So, Anthony, what was your biggest takeaway from the episode?
1: So, one of my big takeaways I remember was learning about a new term that I myself had to look up, which is called Iffinifat. So, Iffinifat is spelled I N F I N I F A T. And, Toral, do you know what Ifinifat means?
0: Yes, it's a description used for those whose size is greater than any assignable size number. So essentially, in quotations, what I'm reading online says that it's, it's when an individual is considered to be too fat for commercially available clothing. And so they are sized out of brick and mortar plus size stores and must order their clothing online.
1: Yeah. And I thought that was super profound. I know Mia shared that term and I remember having to be like, I need to look that up. And so, so in terms of practice, I think it's one of those things that as we continue to evolve in our language and our understanding of different identities and communities, you know, it's okay to take the time to do some research like I did on this particular episode with this term. So that was a really big takeaway for me and something that I just appreciated learning more about. I'm always in a constant state of learning
0: Yeah. And for me, I think after uh, the episode, I did a little bit, obviously, my own research as well. And so I revisited the Harvard Implicit Bias Testing Program. And I actually attended a training and, and the trainer there mentioned that In terms of all of the other biases that they measure in the various tests that they have, so there's uh, gender and religion and all kinds of other diversity topics that they measure, the one for weight is the one that stands out to me. So in terms of all of the other identities, biases are going down, right? In, In what people experience on a regular basis, with the exception of weight. Biases towards individuals that are heavier, they're continuing to go up. And so that's something that we all need to think about as well, right? And so that this is impacting every single person on a daily basis.
1: So yeah, so we did talk about that too, the biases that overweight people, that bigger people experience, and even those who claim the identity of being fat as well. And so part of it too is one of those things that I feel in this episode, just reaffirming that even the term affinifat. Of of so some people claim fat as a positive identity, not as a negative one. And that's very much uh, on an individual level, on an individual basis of whether or not people view themselves that way. And so, yeah, so I I think this episode is definitely worth revisiting because of how taboo I feel, even in the midst of a pandemic and working remote for many of us, how taboo it still is to really talk about this in the DE&I space.
0: And we've talked about weight here, but... In terms of body size, there are so many other components that go into it, right? And I know that with Mia, we also talked quite a bit about height. I think me and and I both identified as, you know, as, as shorter in height. And so that's something that really impacts us as well. And we also talked about how those individuals that are shorter or even taller might be impacted in the workplace. Right. And so we talked that whether you're on the taller side or on your shorter side, an average size desk or in terms of height is probably not going to work for mm-hmm. you. Um, and, and so, you know, we, I think we both identified that in terms of body size, it's so much more than just weight.
1: And that's another key learning that I took away from this episode, I'll be honest, because I do have a sister who also similarly is shorter, and I don't really think about that intersection of gender, height, weight all the time because of my own identities, right? And so, yeah, so that was a really big takeaway for me as well, just knowing that, that yeah, that there is a, a large conversation to be had about that intersection that is not currently being had.
2: Yeah.
0: And on that note, let's get right to the episode.
1: Mia, thank you so much for being with us today. Why don't you start by sharing with our listeners a little bit more about yourself in terms of what you do here at Cornell, where did you grow up, as well as the pronouns that you use.
3: So my name is Mia. I work as a career coach down in Career Services next to the campus store. So I see students in all the different colleges, which is really cool. I grew up in different suburbs around Buffalo. I've been in New York State most of my life other than grad school, and I use she-her pronouns, And I guess maybe just for relevance of today's podcast topic, um, I think it helps, since you can't see us or who we are, um, to just kind of say a little bit about who I am or what I look like in relevance to the topics today. So I'm only five foot tall, so that's definitely shorter than average for women. And I'm just about 200 pounds, so not um, what some people might call a finna fat or big fat or medium fat, but um, plus size in some sense.
1: Great. Well, thank you for sharing all of those things. And we'll definitely disclose as well a little bit about ourselves mm-hmm. so that the audience knows how we look like in terms of our size. So as usual, we have our question of the day. And Mia, I know you're very excited. I am. Because you've listened to a few episodes I now. Have. So you're excited for this question. here from day one. Day one. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Love all the supporters that come on this show. So I do have a question. Are you ready? Ready. I think this is a good one. So I heard this on another podcast and I was like, I want to... Ask this question for us to answer. So should the workplace feel like a family, a sports team, a classroom, or something else?
2: That's an awesome question, Anthony. I know.
1: I heard it, and I was like, you know what? I would love to answer that here on the podcast.
3: Mia, we're going to let you answer first. Oh, okay. I'm on Put you on the spot since you um, love it. I would say I would like it to feel like a sports team. Maybe that's because I had a positive experience with sports generally because sports teams still get along most of the time. It's about like collaborating for the greater good, which I think a staff or a team, um, an office team should feel. Whereas I feel like families have a lot more variation of like drama or people that get kind of like outcast or um, things like that, so I don't know. In my mind, it's like working towards a common goal Harmony, most of the time, still a little like bubbling of drama here and there, but mostly like we're all working towards the same thing and everyone's included. Do you want to go Toro? Yeah, no, I think I would agree with
2: that definitely. That I like that there's an end goal that you're working towards as a group. It's very similar to a sports team. And then, you know, there are a couple people in that within that dynamic that you're closer to than mm-hmm. others, which is very natural, uh, similar to a sports team. So I would agree with you, Mia, that I, I believe that it definitely is like a sports team. It's so funny because I've, until you've said something, I've always thought, family. Mm -hmm. I think when as soon as Anthony like popped the question, my first thought was like, oh, it needs to be like family. And then you explained your reasoning. And I was like, wait, no, that's exactly how I feel. Um, But maybe I've just called it a family. And I I really meant sports team.
1: I think it's a challenging question for me to answer in that I don't know if there's like a general kind of way to answer it for all workplace yeah. environments, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, I've worked in an identity-based center with an identity that's very close to my own. So mm-hmm. I worked, used to work at an LGBTQ resource center. So I think the workplace culture in that kind of environment was much more familial because there was a personal investment in... The work that I was doing, but like also how it related to my own personal life, even outside of work. And so I think in that context, it was hard sometimes to view it as a sports team when there was just so much personal and professional investment in that work. I think in this role, though, I definitely see more of a sports team kind of dynamic. And so for me, it's all about the dynamic, but also where you work. And Mm so sometimes I think if you're working in a in an environment where your identity is also at play directly or indirectly, I think there's more. I don't know. I think it's it's a little bit more challenging to just generalize and say every workplace should be like this because it's depending on the work that you do and the workplace and the organizational piece to it, too. Is it a nonprofit? Is it a corporate? You know, I think all those key things definitely play a role. So it can look different in those areas, like depending on your role and what type of organization you work in.
3: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So to start this conversation, uh, I wanted to give a little bit more detail than what we had already discussed about kind of where this topic is going, why we're focusing on it. So Mia and I actually met through a body positivity group here that's facilitated through Cornell Health last September, October Mm -hmm. is roughly around when it started. So it was like a weekly lunch engagement. We got to talk about different things related to body size specifically and weight and things like that, how it's impacted us personally, professionally. And so, it was just something that I just figured, you know, as a way to continue the conversation outside of that particular group, what better way to discuss it than through the podcast. And especially, I love the piece about focusing on body size in terms of height and weight. And so, for me, in the spirit of vulnerability that Mia has already shared, I am about 5'9", 5'10", and I weigh about 190 pounds. And so technically it's considered overweight technically but you know depending Seriously? on who well, yeah I, no technically technically it's overweight but I think mm-hmm. the the assumption that people have when they see me depending on who you ask mm-hmm. and I think culture definitely plays a role in this sometimes people will be like oh you've gotten a little bigger you've gotten a little chunkier, whatever and then some people are just like oh no you look fine so for me I think my experience with this topic is very much kind of I'm in the gray area where sometimes, you know, especially when, in terms of height, I think for me, it's a privilege that I recognize I have to be kind of, quote unquote, average height or normal height, whatever that means, because everyone else in my family is shorter. So I'm the tallest. But in terms of weight, it's something that I've definitely always struggled with, even things like body size. And we, uh, Mia and I, we talked a lot about that in the body positivity group, is that it's just been a challenge. Like, I'm, I'm not there, I'm not the perfect norm, whatever that is, but I'm also not, like on the far end of anything, I'm just kind of in this spectrum area, so to speak. And so I guess to start the conversation, Mia, what was kind of the interest in you to want to continue this conversation through this podcast?
3: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've listened to it for a while, but I also think that group was helpful for me just to kind of have that unity around body size and body positivity in general. I think walking into that room the first day, I was surprised to see the range of people that were in the room. I think I was expecting to walk in and see a lot of people who were plus size or um, somewhere on the fat spectrum. And there was people of all shapes and sizes in that room. I remember being like, wow, okay, maybe this kind of sucks that everybody in this room is here because they hate their body, but at least there's some like unifying I don't know. It felt very reassuring to know that other people struggled with this, even though it was like a negative common experience. So I think it's something important to talk about. Not only, you know, that group was really focused on our personal lives, I think. And it's certainly, you know, being shorter and heavier affects me in my personal life in a lot of ways. But I think even just since I started at Cornell this past summer, I've noticed some things on campus where I'm like, hmm, I wish this was different. Or, oh, this is definitely here from a much further time passed where maybe more people were, quote unquote, standard size. So, yeah, I've noticed some things even just in the, what, eight months I've been here. So,
1: And if you don't mind me asking as like a follow up, you know, what are, what are some of those things that you have noticed that really bring up this question around accessibility, particularly mm-hmm. for different sizes?
3: Yeah. And I think accessibility is like the key word there because I think sometimes people view fat folks as like complaining of, you know, like you did this to yourself or you're big because of, you know, it's a very blame oriented thing sometimes when really oftentimes it's a matter of access. Um, And I wouldn't compare it to someone in a wheelchair. I mean, they're different experiences, but it's like, can I physically fit into and or sit at or be comfortable in that space? So I I do like the fact that you use the word access there. I would say at Cornell, a couple different things that I've noticed. One, especially because I work near Cafe Jenny in the campus store. I'm sure there are other chairs on campus that are like this, but I actually hate meeting in that cafe, even though it's super close to my office, because the chairs are really narrow and they have these very harsh arms on them that like dig into the side of my legs and basically Mm. like cut off my my thighs and my hip it just like oozes out the side and it's super uncomfortable to the point where like sometimes I have trouble focusing on the conversation I'm having so even when people are like oh you know it's just a chair but if you're sitting in that chair for an hour I think something else I think about is Willard Strait that Traffic flow going in and out of Willard Street. A, it's not necessarily an accessible entrance in general because of the stairs, but the doors are so narrow. Like there's so many people going in and out there that I feel like I have trouble getting in and out of that building without bumping into people or like having to wait for someone to come in or out. And I can't imagine being someone larger than I am and feeling that way about not only those doors, but like many other hallways and doorways around campus. So that's something I've been thinking about at this older campus with some, you know, more traditional old school wooden doors. So I would say those are probably the two big ones that I've noticed here at Cornell. I've had some other like work-related experiences, but definitely the chairs have been an issue for me. And I haven't been in as many classrooms here at Cornell, but those desks that have the chair and the desk attached to them. The fold, yeah. Yeah, either that fold or you literally just have to like squeeze yourself into the space. Again... I know I have trouble with those because my feet don't touch the floor. I have trouble with those because I have to like squeeze myself into it. And sometimes for me, that desk is hitting me at my widest part rather than at my waist because of my height. So it's kind of difficult there too. But I also know tall people who really struggle in those chair desk attached things Mm -hmm. or obviously people who are bigger than I am would also struggle with that. So, in full disclosure, so I am
2: a little bit shorter than you at four eleven. <laughs> That's something I admit too often. I it's always okay. say five feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that just goes. My license
3: says <laughs> five one, which is also a lie. So. Yeah, so it oh, just goes back to the history of
2: things and how it impacts you. My weight is right now around like one sixty, 160, one sixty two. Mm-hmm. But again, being short, that is considered to be. OBs. Yeah. And so one of the things that I had to have done for me at work, the same thing because my feet always hang, is I had to get one of those desks that go up and down, mm-hmm. but not one that just sits on top of the desk because then I'm constantly looking up. Mm-hmm. And and when you're short, that's yeah. actually not the right way to do it. So I had to get one where the entire desk goes up and down. Yeah. It's the only way. And, and it actually sits about two inches below everybody else's desk. Mm-hmm. It's the only way my feet don't dangle and they're they're not swollen at the end of the day. Yeah.
3: I got one of those little... um footstool things recently mm-hmm. i just found it in somebody else's like closet in their office um i used to just <laughs> this is so weird i used to just put like a box lid like a paper mm-hmm. box lid under my desk cuz it was just that little bit enough that yeah. that raised my feet up so they weren't dangling or sometimes i would make it so that i would slouch so that my feet wouldn't dangle but that's not yep. good either so yeah
1: well, it's not good for your back right no. like me yeah. sitting posture i have hours, um, yeah. turned
3: my garbage over
2: Oh. So I actually used to be the recycle bin. So yeah. I used my trash can, but not my recycle bin. And you put and your And <laughs> I just put my feet on it. Wow. Mia, have you ever been judged solely based on your body size and not your knowledge, skills, or abilities? Mm.
3: I guess it's hard to say solely because you don't necessarily ask that sure. or have a way to prove that that's the core of the issue. Mm. But I think being a shorter person, and you might have experienced this too, Toral is people confusing you for a student, people assuming that you're younger than you are, or just treating you like you don't know as much. I think it can be really discouraging to have someone talk to you in a condescending way. And you're going through this like mental Rolodex of why, like, why are they talking to me? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Is it because I'm new? Is it because I'm young? Is it because they think I'm younger than I am? So just kind of, it it really detracts from, A, the conversation, but also that relationship to be wondering why they're treating you that way. For me, that's probably more tied to my height than my weight. I think the weight piece is more like at office events that have food involved or something like that. Those are a little more uncomfortable, I think,
1: and having to navigate that right like how do you i that's so interesting you mentioned that cuz i've never really thought about it in that context but i'm always i am very self-conscious of what i eat in public mm-hmm. because i don't like the feeling of being bloated Especially if I'm in like a work meeting, or even if it's like an informal meeting with colleagues after work, like I get very self-conscious about eating food or feeling bloated because then I become self-conscious about my image, right? Mm-hmm. Like my body image and the perception. And if I get a little a little stomach that comes out, you know, I it's so interesting that you mentioned that because I never thought about it in this context and around this conversation. But yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely for me like a just something that's hardwired that I haven't really sat down and processed like yeah why
3: a lot of internalized like body shame and yeah uh, yeah I mean we all have it right so I think even even people who are like fat icons or promote fat positivity like they still will acknowledge those moments of like oh man I did this thing today and I didn't even realize that that's where I was stemming from Mm -hmm. so for me things like that are oh I'm trying to be good today or oh today's my cheat day or, I've been working out, so I'm gonna let myself have this. Like that whole idea of like bartering exercise and food and what's good food or bad food, like those things I think can be really uncomfortable in these work settings where you're eating with other people. And do you feel
2: the need to justify it to the other individuals to say, oh, I worked out like three hours yesterday, so Mm. I'm going to have a cupcake today. Like, other people can just pick up a cupcake and eat it. But you feel this need to, like, let them know why it's okay for you to eat that Mm. cupcake.
3: I think sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Again, I think it's hard because it's so much part of our culture to kind of talk about, like, your goals or, you know, what you're working towards. I would never want to like squash someone else being proud that they've been working out or, you know, keeping up a healthy routine or something. But it is hard to hear other people say that and then feel like you can just exist and not have to explain yourself. I wouldn't say that I am of the size where I constantly feel the need to explain what I'm eating. I think I'm kind of in that borderline place where people aren't judging me as much as someone who's maybe like what they would call like super fat So I don't feel that need to justify. But when someone else says something, then I feel like I also have to justify what I'm doing. So it's hard. I want to be supportive, but also I don't want to have to justify myself.
1: So in talking about body size and especially how it affects people here at work, I mean, we started already talking a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. But Mia, do you have any Mm -hmm. examples that you feel comfortable sharing that really stand out as kind of? either really negative or just problematic experiences around perceptions of your body size.
3: Mm. I mean, personally, one that really stands out for me, and this is literally sixth grade. This is years and years and years ago, right? But it's still something that, quote, verbatim, sticks with me, you know, lots of examples. But this one in particular was like this boy that I had a crush on. He was a baseball player, kind of like that traditional, like slim, tall physique. And I wanted him to be my boyfriend, whatever that means in sixth grade, right? (laughs) Um, But I distinctly remember, like, standing in the hallway at the Boys and Girls Club after school and him looking at me and saying, I can't date you. The boy is supposed to weigh more than the girl. Like, point blank, Wow. sixth grade, said that, like, flat out. And I will never, ever forget that. And I think it's impacted, like, who I view myself as I don't know if capable is the right word, but like who I'm able to date, able sounds really weird, but like who, uh, that like rating scale that is people that you use sometimes. Me? Like, like who you should
1: desire yeah. or who you should see as a potential partner. Right. Yeah. Are
3: you like pretty enough or desirable enough to be with that person? And it's definitely impacted the way I view myself. And honestly, even the people that I think I pursued after that, like once I was actually dating. Wow you know, I tended to go for people who were larger than me or taller than me or like much more masculine presenting because I was playing a rather masculine sport at the time and presenting a little bit more androgynous. And yeah, just I think that was that really impacted the way I viewed myself and potential partners.
1: So for folks who don't know what androgyny is or means. It's folks who present both masculine and feminine characteristics in terms of their gender expression.
3: So I think that one really stood out to me as something that I just never forget. But I think there are other kind of just like um, Mm -hmm. relationship things now, even I'm in a long term committed relationship now. So that's not really something I think about as much. But when I think about dating profiles or even friendship profiles, if you use things like that. Oh, goodness,
1: yes. They're
3: so visually oriented. Uh Yes. I think we talked about this maybe before, Anthony, but the idea of like, where is the line between thick and fat? Like thick being this kind of desirable term, you know, and who gets to label you thick? Uh Is that something you call yourself or something that other people call you? And even the idea of like, catfishing like oh you have a pretty face but you're actually fat like that whole dynamic is really really strange so
1: it's yeah like you said where is the boundary for somebody who's thick and somebody who's fat like even the term thick as as positive as it may be there's still limitations to it right right? Mm -hmm. related to body size and and I think there is this whole kind of movement now even from when I was younger societally speaking of Bigger people now being more desirable. And so now where are people who are like not as big or not as thick, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, right? Like, what does that even mean? A, but then also who are not as thick, like... Where are they now along this kind of spectrum of desirability, which is yeah. strange in many ways. And I think the whole thing with dating profiles, it's just so like Tinder, like, is like, I guess the first one that started using the swipe the right, swipe left, or whatever. I thought that was just so weird. Like, it's just like you're just like literally just mm-hmm. looking and at somebody, looking at their stats. Them. Yeah, looking at their stats, looking at their age, their weight, height. And using that as a determinant for, like, whether or not you're going to swipe left or right. Like, it just, for me, the concept of it is just so weird, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Like, I don't even know the person, but yet here I am judging them based off of these hardcore statistics and numbers, and I know nothing about their personality. Like, what happens if their personality just blows me out the park? And I'm like, (laughs) wow, they're amazing, you know? And regardless of that, but you need to know that information in order to meet them or have a conversation with them. It's so weird.
3: Yeah, I don't know if either of you have used Bumble BFF, but there's like a friendship part of Bumble that I also think is really strange because it still is very picture focused and picture oriented. And I'm like, for me, I don't care what my friends look like. Like, right. I just want to dive with them. It doesn't matter to me. So it really surprised me how similar the friendship part of that app is to to the the dating part of it. So it's very interesting
1: so strange.
3: So I want to go back to your example that you just shared earlier,
2: being in sixth grade right, Mm -hmm. and having somebody make that kind of a comment. Because I'm sure we all have, and I I distinctly remember my comment to this day. How do you overcome something like that and and really accept who you are as an individual? Because to go through that in sixth grade, that Mm -hmm. impacts how you view yourself for not only the rest of your school days, but also I think as an adult too. And so how have you kind of overcome that to be here today where you are, you know, willing and open to talking about body size? Yeah.
3: Well, I will say I haven't totally gotten over it anyways. <laughs> um I'm more comfortable talking about body size for a few different reasons, some of those being solidarity definitely helps finding other people who are struggling with similar challenges. I think social media in a weird way is both good and bad for issues like this. You know, seeing people out there who are unapologetically fat and like reclaiming that word, seeing people who are different in lots of different ways related to their body, whether it's um, like disability related or body size or anything, I think can be empowering for others to to see, while at the same time, there's also a lot of quote-unquote picture-perfect bodies on social media that make you feel bad about yourself. So I wouldn't say that there's anything that really helped me overcome that. I think it's something I'm still struggling with, but it seems more maybe socially acceptable to talk about now. And honestly, living and working in Ithaca and at a college university setting, I think a lot more topics are on the table than in other settings too. So I think that's part of why I'm comfortable talking about it for myself and also maybe feel a little bit obligated to talk about it for the sake of students who might not be comfortable speaking about it from their own perspective.
1: Yeah, definitely. I uh, So when we're talking, you know, we're talking about body size and there's, there's so many, there's that weight and the height aspect that we're talking about, but I think there's also just a general acknowledgement. We're speaking about our own experiences, but that this also affects people who are thinner or might be, really, really tall, as you had mentioned, Mm -hmm. Mia. So there's a lot of articles that have been written about bias and the role of bias in terms of weight, especially and how people perceive people who are bigger to be lazier and less likely to get promotions and stuff. So from your own experience, you know, from your experience in the workforce as a whole, you know, have you ever encountered any type of bias based off of assumptions around your body size?
3: I don't know that I've faced bias in terms of like not getting a promotion or something like that, but definitely the ability to like fully engage in a experience I think has been impacted for me and students that I've worked with. So just as an example, you've probably heard some kind of like team bonding ropes course type things Mm -hmm. um, that happen in different settings. And obviously, there's a lot of issues with that in terms of just ability in general, but body size as well. You're talking about, you know, pick this person up and put them over here or balance out the weight of your team on this teeter-totter or try to, like, rearrange yourselves while standing on this really narrow pole. So a lot of those activities, regardless of whether you are, quote-unquote, able-bodied, if you're big, it's hard to do some of those things and can be really uncomfortable for that student as well as their team. It's like, do you acknowledge this, no pun intended, like elephant in the room that Mm -hmm. this student physically is not able to complete this activity or the discomfort around that? So, I mean, aside from just like, uniforms and giveaway sizes and, you know, just like polos and that kind of stuff. I think while that is certainly an issue, I think the bigger thing for me is like, this is meant to be a unifying event. And sometimes it is the least unifying thing for some people or some teams.
1: And some people might enjoy it too, right? I think there's also that assumption that, you know, maybe it is going to serve a huge barrier, but some people who are bigger might also be like, yeah, sign me up, you know? So I think there's that understanding of, I think, just really getting to know your teams and who you're working with as you're putting things like events, like team building activities together and to just get as much input as possible and to really understand, you know, your team as a whole and not make any assumptions of like, well, they may not enjoy this. And it's like, well, have you asked them? Have you gauged a question with them or a conversation of like, the planning of that particular experience, you know? And so I think about recently I I went to Mexico and I went on this zip lining experience where there were people of varying different body sizes. And for some of the bigger folks, they had, like, a, an additional harness. But in no way was it, like, they were never treated like like a barrier. Like, we weren't like, oh, like, they got to, you know, add another harness, so therefore it's going to extend it. No, it was just kind of like, okay, cool, we'll just add another harness and call it a day. Yeah. Like, that's just, like, a standard protocol. So I think just in terms of streamlining processes of like just getting as much input as possible on your team and really getting to know them without that assumption that people may not be able to do so or Mm -hmm. would feel uncomfortable doing so. Right. Or if
3: it's like a large group, right, where you can't possibly ask everyone or you know them, you know, if you're training a huge staff of RAs or something, you're not going to know before you plan something like that. But it's also there's it's also something about how you ask
2: them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to approach you and say, you know what, the rest of the team wants to do this. How do you feel? That's not the right way to do it. Right. So it's about the how is also just as important as
3: actually asking the question to me. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Because
2: you've already told them what you want to hear.
3: Yes. No, it needs to be like a survey in advance or a question in advance, not like, we're planning this thing and you're an afterthought. It needs to be, we are trying to proactively seek input before we make a plan. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be a good alternative. Yes. It can't just be, oh, I guess we won't do that because then everyone resents that person.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, and even in planning the alternatives, it's like, it's just a good practice to do to plan beforehand and not during or after the yes. fact like because then at that point it's like they're seen as an afterthought right they're seen right. as just like and then it becomes this whole issue of feeling like a nuisance the entire team so it's trying to be as proactive as possible for when those things happen even if they don't that way the whole team doesn't feel this disconnect in any way yeah. and like you said it's just kind of like okay we'll just accommodate or we'll do xyz thing for this group or this person and yeah. at no constraint to like the actual team dynamic or session itself
0: Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and submit a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and the show. For the latest updates on diversity, equity, and inclusion at Cornell, be sure to visit diversity.cornell.edu. My name is Toral Patel.
1: My name is Anthony Sis. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inclusive Excellence Podcast.
0: This podcast is a production of the Department of Inclusion and Belonging in collaboration with the Cornell Broadcast Studio.